hello hello uh welcome to another episode of the voicemail for the soul podcast i'm your host <laughs> this is how people normally do it. i feel like they always do introduction and say this is your host blah 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 uh but yeah this is justin again of course um yeah and this is going to be my i guess first official episode because the other one was just a prologue um but honestly i've already gotten some messages about my first episode my episode zero slash prologue and honestly just (laughs) was not expecting um positive feedback i don't know i guess i'm more of a pessimist i was like oh like people probably won't really listen to it but people have already personally reached out and so i was just very touched and surprised (laughs) by that um but it was just very encouraging. And for those of you out there uh, who reached out, I really appreciate you. Um, I'm also going to try to do a little bit better on name blasting. Because <laughs> on the last one, I was just like saying names. Um, and then I, I was like, oh, shoot, I should probably get consent to use these people's names. Don't exactly know what the there's like kind of hidden rules or guidelines on that. But I don't know if you could tell on the last one, I actually had to cut out uh, one of my friend's names because I was like trying to get his permission. But then he didn't respond. He actually had fallen asleep uh, because he was at training. And then I just wanted to get it published. And so I ended up just cutting it out. But yeah, I will try to be a bit more careful about just straight up saying people's names. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so thanks for tuning in again. Um, This episode will be the first official first one. Um, and it's going to be titled probably something like the power of words. Uh, and this has to do with nursing. And so before I go into it, I do want to give a little disclaimer. Um, this is going to be, uh, a discussion about things like suicide and depression. Um, and so if for any reason, this is like a sensitive topic for you, just, you know, be warned that I'll be talking about those things. Um, and yeah, um, Okay, so let's get started. So, uh, as I've shared before in my prologue episode, I am currently a registered nurse, and I specifically work in pediatric psychiatry, um, and that is basically the like child and adolescent population, um, kids and teens, um, and in the realm of mental health. So, I've been there for how long now? Since the winter of 2019? So it's been almost a year and a half. Wow, time flies. It's been almost a year and a half, um, but it's been such like an eye-opening experience. I think psychiatric nursing, or just I'll probably just use psych for short, um, but psych in general. So such a, like, uh, not a familiar, I think, arena, especially in terms of like healthcare, like if you're a medical or a healthcare professional, um, I feel like just the mental health or psychiatric side of things is not too common. Um, but honestly, my time and experience there just has been really, really eye-opening. Um, it's been super educational for me in terms of learning about just emotional and mental wellness and health overall. So it's just been, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, I actually ended up there not exactly by choice. Um, but it was kind of through some various circumstances I ended up at that unit, um, it's kind of a complicated story. I guess I'll have to save that for another podcast. Um, but specifically, I wanted to talk about a, an incident that actually happened or a near incident that actually happened. Uh, I think it was a week or two ago. And I've been meaning to just share about this. 
Um, but basically I need to kind of provide some background in terms of how things work on our unit. And so normally it is a psychiatric unit. Um, a lot of kids are like, oh, like, am I in a psych ward? I mean, it's, it's such like a negative connotation, but it is like a secluded and locked unit where normally like in a hospital, you know, you get admitted, like you have your own room, you somewhat have some freedom to move around. Obviously, like if you're sick, like you shouldn't be leaving or just walking around the hospital willy nilly, but you know, you're free to have visitors. And it's like, there's a lot more freedom. You know, if you've ever been to a hospital, if you've been admitted to a hospital, I think you can attest to that. But the thing, the thing with um, psychiatric units is there's obviously a lot more security and a lot more safety precautions because the majority of our kids that are there, um, I would say in terms of the overall population, I'd say like roughly 70 to 80 percent of our kids are coming in for depression, suicidal ideation or suicidal attempt. And the other 20 to 30 percent is more of your like severe psychiatric issues in terms of psychotic episodes or like bipolar manic disorders. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking because it's kind of late when I'm making this. Um Oh, like kids on the spectrum. So we definitely have ASD kids as well. Um, we do have eating disorder kids sometimes. Um, what else? And like situations where like kids are um, like behaviorally like stunted or um, behaviorally like delayed. It's complicated. Um, and I'm like, once again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not articulating this well, but Ultimately, the point is like the vast majority of the kids that the type of patients that we see are kids with depression slash suicidal ideation or suicidal attempt, aka they are thinking about killing themselves or attempted to kill themselves, uh, so on and so forth. And so normally because of this, um, their process, the way that it normally works when I read these files, the case files or these histories is that, you know, they're usually admitted to the emergency department. Uh, because they were either at this very like risky moment or this high stakes moment or they either like expressed a concern and the parents brought them in or maybe their counselor or their therapist brought them in like as an like emergency session or maybe they actually did attempt to take their own life and so they were taken to the hospital so they usually come through the ED first there's a certain process that they go through down there and then when the psychiatric doctors assess them uh, to see like if they are needed if they need to board aka like if they need to um, be further evaluated or treated in an inpatient setting, inpatient being like in the hospital. Uh, and then they will come to us if the psychiatric doctors down there assess the situation and deem that that patient does need further assessment and treatment. And so normally they'll come through the ED first and then they come through us. And of course, because it's a unit where things like violence or suicide or self-harm are very serious issues. Uh, there's a lot of security protocols in terms of like you're wanded, like, you know, those uh, metal detecting ones um, at like the airport or wherever, like at, you know, like a football game. We utilize those to make sure that there's no metals and stuff. Like we, I think downstairs, they do have the kids like strip, like they, you know, they'll go into like a hospital gown, they'll check all their belongings, things like that. Um, and then we actually have the same protocol as well when they come onto our unit. So it's supposed to theoretically, it's supposed to be a double layer security system where the ED initially checks them um, and checks all those checks for all those things. And then when they come to us, we do the same thing as well. And the reason being is that in the past, there have been even before my time there, like there have been situations where either the ED didn't check thoroughly um, 
or you know a kid was able to sneak on sneak something onto the unit something like they could harm themselves with or harm someone else with someone else with good lord my tongue um and so we have certain protocols in place so that when they at least come to our unit we make sure to you know check all their belongings we do like a skin assessment on them we also um, do like use our metal detecting wand just to make sure that there's nothing in their belongings or nothing on their person that could be used to harm themselves. You'd be very, very surprised as to how crafty kids, in this case, I can only speak for that population, but kids can be. Obviously, I don't want to say that all kids are like that, but sometimes we have situations where kids are very familiar with this kind of, you know, this process, you know, kids that are, I don't like repeat offenders is what I'm thinking about, but obviously like I'm not trying to put blame on them or anything like that but just kids who have been through this before and are just in that mentality where like they you know still don't really care for their life that you know they're kind of pushing boundaries they're trying to break rules and they're trying to you know still like hurt themselves uh, despite being in the hospital and so we've had kids sneak stuff like in their hair like in certain areas of like their bra especially for girls um yeah and so this is or like they'll ask like a parent to bring certain clothing in and they like they they pre-prepared a certain piece of clothing most likely undergarments and like hid something in like it's it's crazy honestly you'd be very surprised as to how crafty people can get when they want to you know if they put their mind to it um but this kind of you know kind of paints the background of like what our process is and like why we do that process of security checks and stuff like that um so there was a day where i was um the treatment nurse and so the way that it works is normally as a nurse uh on a typical like medical surgical floor you're you take charge i think what's the average nurse to patient ratio i think um i think it's like on a med surge like three to five or three to i've seen six tops um, but on an, on an average medical surgical floor, I would say your nurse to patient ratio, like the amount of patients that you can have at one time can be around like three and as much up to like five or six, as in during your 12 hour shift, you are solely in charge of those X number of patients in terms of doing their medications, getting their treatments, taking care of their needs, so on and so forth. Of course you get help from other people, um, but like you're responsible. And so that's normally how it works. Obviously the more, um, if the higher acuity and by acuity, it's like how much, uh, if they're like more sick, I was going to say sicker, I guess that's not a word, but like if they're more sick or if they have a higher acuity, they need more attention, then obviously the nurse to patient ratio would decrease. So in an ICU or an intensive care unit, the nurse to patient ratio is usually either one to two because the, the patients are much more sick. They require much more attention. There's a lot more um, things that you have to check on, a lot more equipment like drips and lines and labs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're just, they're much higher maintenance. And so therefore a nurse needs to put more attention to those one or two people versus on like a med surge floor or other kind of floors where maybe the acuity or the severity of the illness is not as high, uh, they can kind of be, you know, uh, delegated more patients. And so, but the way that our unit works is a little bit different. Um, we have something called like a treatment nurse and a, a, a medication nurse. And so those two kind of team up together to uh, basically care over on our adolescent side, which is from the ages of like 14 to 17, um, our capacity is uh, 13 and then on the child side which is basically around the ages of like 6 to 13 but we've had kids that are a little bit younger um, is right now is a capacity of 10 
but you have a medication and a treatment nurse for each side. So there's two nurses that are teaming together to care for those 10 to 11 kids. Um, and so obviously the medication nurse is the person that's in charge of providing the medications. That's like their primary role. And obviously there's other roles that in terms of like helping, supporting the, the milieu, um, just anything that's happening on the floor, helping with, you know, assisting the kids and things like that. The treatment nurse is meant to be more of like your administrative person. Like you're kind of the person in charge. Um, you're the one like going to rounds with the doctors or more so seeing the overall treatment of the patient, like theoretically on paper. So more of an admin role, but like you're kind of in charge of the kids and kind of the overall operation of the day. Obviously, there's a lot of other people in that team. So you're not like the direct hierarchical leader, but you kind of take charge on those things. So sorry, this has a lot of explanation, but just kind of requires to paint that to provide the context. But basically, I was the treatment nurse. So I was kind of the person in charge. And this was during the evening time. Um, and so this was around like eight or nine o'clock. I was working, uh, I think was I, I was working 11 to 11 shift, which, yeah, those aren't fun at all. Um, <laughs> but it was the evening time. Um, it was when the kids are doing hygiene. And so going back to when I said a milieu, uh, what like a milieu is, is basically it's a therapeutic approach and structure for these kids where I guess like a, uh, poor man's definition because my definition is just it's providing a very structured and scheduled day for these kids and so that they don't have to worry about those variables like all those variables are controlled so they can just solely focus on their their themselves and their their improvement and their like why they're there and so obviously things stressors outside of the hospital in terms of like in real life obviously you have to worry about school if the worry, you know kids worry about like you know what am i dressing what am i uh, like, what am I wearing? What, what, you know, what am I going to do at school? Like, who do I have to deal with? Like, all those things are technically external stressors, because those are all things that, you know, they have to decide or choose on. And of course, the everyday, everyday person might think, oh, like, why is that a big deal? Um, but ultimately, when you think about kind of when people reach a certain stress threshold, even the simplest things like picking out what to wear, or like your schedule can be very overwhelming. And so the kind of whole point of a um, of a mill use that kind of provide that structure and safety for them so that they don't have to worry about that and they can solely focus on their own care and their own recovery. And so part of the mill use, like it's basically kind of run like a camp. Like there's, you know, meal times cut throughout the day. There's rest times, there's break times, there's certain therapeutic groups or activities that we have for these kids. And it's a very structured kind of like a, like a, like a day camp school slash situation. Um, so in the evening, normally after dinner, they kind of have some room time where they, you know, spend some time by themselves. And they also do hygiene in terms of like wash up and stuff like that before they go to bed. And they have like a little bit of free time before they go to sleep. So basically, uh, what was happening was it was the evening and um, we were giving a girl some of her belongings that like, you know, parents usually have to bring in like clothes or stuff that they need on the unit, obviously, with certain restrictions and limitations in terms of safety. Um, so this this girl, she's a 14, I think she was a 14 year old girl. Um, her mom had brought in some personal belongings like clothing. Uh, there was like a medication. And, and I think she had like a retain, uh, retainers and then something else. 
she had brought it in earlier that afternoon. Um, but then that evening, the patient came up to me and was like, hey, like, I think my mom dropped off some stuff. And like, my I think my retainers are in that bag. I was like, can I get those retainers for, you know, obviously for her teeth for when she sleeps? And I was like, okay, so I went to go check. Uh, I got our retainers. And so the kind of the history, you know, or the download on this girl is that she had come in for, uh, I believe, sorry, this was like a while ago, so I kind of forget. Um, but it was something related to like depression, suicidal ideation and attempt. She did have a history of, you know, like multiple attempts. And so this obviously like, wasn't her first rodeo. Um, and I believe when I'd received report, they had told me that she had been in our unit before, like in the past. And so she, you know, this once again, like I don't want to use phrases like frequent flyer or like repeat offender in a negative way. It's just more so just like. I don't know. It's just like, I think it's more, it, it provides better context, but obviously I don't mean it in that negative connotation, but someone that has, you know, been around the block. Um, God, <laughs> like all these like phrases are like in such a negative connotation, but I hope you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Um, but she had, you know, been through that process before. So she's familiar with in terms of our system, our security, the safety rules, things like that. And so I, me knowing that, um, you know, I got the retainers and she also had a sitter. Uh, she was uh, had a one to one. And what that means is there is someone that is constantly observing them um, throughout that period of time, because specifically, like if they are a safety risk, you know, if they, you know, have a history or a current issue of ha uh, feeling or having high uh, feelings of like self harm or have a history of self harm, things like that, then we usually assign a sitter to them so that they're under constant observations so that they don't try to do that. So I take the retainers over to the sitter. I'm like, hey, you know, try to make the sitter aware. Like, I'm going to give these retainers. You know, it's the one with like the metal wires and like the, that plastic bracket. And so, you know, you might think, oh, like it's retainers. Why is that a big deal? But <laughs> if you think in the psych land of things and safety side of things, it's like, hey, it's a, you know, metal brackets, metal wires. She could easily break that. She could use that to cut herself. I know it's it sucks to think like that, but in, for, unfortunately, in that setting, like that's how we have to think. Um, but and so I told the sitter, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna give her her retainers for the night." Um, and then I, you know, went up to the patient. I was like, "Hey, like here you go." And in kind of like a, I don't know, like I try not to be too serious or like try to be like scary, but just more for like in a playful. And I was like, "Hey, like remember, let's you know, like keep this in your mouth because that's where it belongs, and let's you know, let's be safe tonight, okay?" Uh, and I just kind of in a very playful tone, like not trying to be too serious. So I was, you know, like, just be safe and like, make me proud. And she kind of just chuckled and I kind of chuckled. And then I, I just, I walked away. I, le I left her room and then I went on my break because I hadn't had one that day. So I was off the unit for about like 30 to 40 minutes. But when I came back was when I figured out that something happened, but we'll get back to that <laughs> as soon as I talk about my sponsor already i'm back uh sorry to leave you on that little cliffhanger but thought i'd make it a little fun um but yeah so i came back from my break and lo and behold i came back to something i was not expecting and so the medication nurse and one of our cps's which stands for child psych specialist child psychiatric specialist um they're basically like our support staff uh that help us run the unit they're really like the backbone of the unit um, they like without them, like we would not be able to do it on our own. Um, 
but they had told me they came up to me and they were like hey so something happened while you were gone and my heart sunk i was like oh my gosh it's like nine like 9 30 almost 10 o'clock like my shift is over in an hour and i'm automatically thinking like oh my goodness like uh something bad happened like i'm gonna have to file like an incident report and like tell the managers so my heart sunk and i was like oh my gosh what happened and so they tell me that the girl had uh, one of the patients had handed over a razor to the staff and i was like what and it was the girl that i had given the retainers to and i was like what the heck how did that happen and the first thing that came to my mind was like oh my gosh i'm so screwed because that happening basically meant that um you know we had failed in that initial security measure when she first came onto the unit Granted, uh, I was not the one that admitted her. She had actually come in the, the day before. And so if it was on my shift that she had come in and that happened on my shift, then I probably would have gotten in more trouble. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, shoot. Like, still, though, like, I, t- I, would ha- I had to be the one to send or file, like, an incident report and tell that my manager and my director. Um, and so I was like, oh, crap. Um, because this had happened... This is more of like a major incident where like if someone sneaks on something like a razor onto you know like that's really 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 bad because obviously like if a kid hurts themselves or even manages to like take their own life while they're in the hospital like that's obviously a big failure on our part um and we had had an incident a couple months back where a similar situation like a kid snuck in like a razor through her bra um thankfully she didn't use it uh, or didn't hurt herself or anyone but it was like a you know very big issue and our managers slash director was like very upset about that. And we had to do a lot of reform and changes to try to improve our system. And so when this had happened, um, what happened again, I was like, oh crap, like here we go. Like I'm gonna, you know, just get screwed with trying to hash all this, hash all this out. And so that's just like what I'm thinking in my mind. But then I basically like, okay, they had gone through the protocol in terms of after she handed over the razor, um, you know, they obviously like strip her room, they check everything in her room, check her purse and make sure she has nothing else and like assess hers, make sure like, hey, like, are you in a situation like, are you right now feeling like you want to hurt yourself or hurt others, making sure that she's safe, that her environment's safe. They did everything properly in terms of everything that properly that they could, right? Because those people that were there with me, like weren't responsible for what had happened the day before but obviously us being there at that present time like we are responsible for at least maintaining or creating that safety um because it had been compromised so the you know razor was confiscated they checked everything um they stripped her room and stuff like that and just made sure that there was nothing else and so they're like yeah like do you want to go talk to her you know just to you know just make sure she's doing okay and like just you know because like since i was the one in charge just to make sure that yeah, um, that I just had a good understanding of the situation. And I was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And they're also like, oh, by the way, she actually said she like turned it in because of you. I was like, what? And basically, after I had talked to the kiddo, and I talked to my staff members, I, f- I figured out that as soon when I had given her retainers, like almost the hour b- uh, before that, and when I told her, you know, just play for like, oh, like, you know, keep it in your mouth, just be safe, like, make me proud. Um, she literally said, like, so when you told me that, I, was, I thought to myself, like, oh, like, I, how am I going to make you guys proud? Like, if I'm doing, like, if I have this, like, razor, I'm like, or if I do something stupid with this razor, because she said that she was starting to have, um, she was starting to have thoughts of, like, self-harm and stuff like that. So she was thinking about using it, but then she thought about what I had said. And 
then she was like, and she decided to turn in the razor. And then she was trying to find me, but I was on break. So she turned it into the staff and that's when it all kind of blew up. But after I heard that, I was like, I was just like flabbergasted is, I don't know if that's the right word, but I was just honestly like in shock. And, you know, of course I could talk to her and I had a very, had a very long and just like genuine talk with her in terms of like, Hey, like, I'm, I really appreciate like you doing that. And, you know, like just kind of gave not, I want to say like a lecture, but just a heart to heart about like, Hey, like every choice that we make in terms of whatever it is in life, whether it's a choice to, to do this or don't do that. I know it's like very vague, but whether it's like whatever you eat or whatever you say or whatever you do or think like all those things, all those active choices that we may or may not put value in, like all those choices build towards something. Right. So every single time that you let's say, for example, just on a regular like day to day, every single time that you choose to eat those bag of chips, <laughs> I guess automatically going to go to health uh, to eat those bag of chips or to maybe um, I don't know, like even like smoke a cigarette, like whatever. It is, like every single time you make that choice, that choice is further cementing and molding your decision making. And I don't think we normally think of things like that, um, but it's like it's very true. Right. Because that the choices that we make, the more times we make those choices, that's how the, you know, that's the birth of habit, right? And habit, as it, as we do it more and more and more, it gets more ingrained into our being and what we do. And, you know, obviously it's, it gets even harder to cut those habits if it's like a bad thing or if it's something that we want to change. And so I was trying to just kind of give her a heart to heart of like, hey, like, I'm really proud of you because you actively made a choice to not hurt yourself and to do the right thing. And it, you know, you might've been scared about, you know, as a kid, like, think about it probably scared that you're gonna get in trouble that you know, you're gonna get you you know like a butt weapon whatever but she i was like you you know kind of work past that fear that you get in trouble because i know that's a huge motivator i know when i was a kid i hated getting in trouble and i'll do everything i possibly could to not get caught um but it's like you know she did the right thing and i was like honestly like, that is awesome and that's really 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 important i was like don't forget this and value the times and the the situations where you make the right choice where you choose to do the right thing like value that and like keep at it and of course there's gonna be times where we fail and like that's where we need grace for ourselves and even grace for those around us but yeah i just had a really long but like very just honest and like vulnerable and like good conversation with her and the sitter was there as well and we all kind of she kind of chimed into just trying to encourage her to be like because you know obviously her mentality right now is like oh like I know that was the situation but like in general like you know I don't think my life has value like I don't want to live anymore it's like just trying to preach to this kid like there you know there is meaning like there is purpose in life and like I know it's so hard right now to not be able to see it um and it's just it's tough especially in your teenage years um i feel like this is hard with puberty and just i don't know like for those of you who are maybe in your early or mid to late 20s i think you guys can like understand what i'm saying in terms of your teenage years are such like angsty years it's such turbulent times i don't know maybe you had a really stable teenage uh teenage hood um if you did great if not i would say you're probably part of the majority um but yeah and so i'm just like trying to just preach to this girl like just just hold on like there's there's so much more to it it's like there's also just so much that you're struggling with but like you have to like you can work through that and it's very possible and so 
had this, you know, heart to heart with her, which was really, really good. Um, like good for me and good for her, honestly. I think once again, going back to how this unit has really just taught me so much in terms of, you know, I'm there to obviously work and take care of these kids. But it's like a lot of the times I end up learning um, and kind of healing myself in a way, um, which honestly, I would kind of say it's like kind of God's providence and a sovereignty of me ending up there. But that once again, that's like another story completely. I'll definitely maybe do a podcast on that. Um but yeah, basically had to ended up staying late. I like got out almost at midnight because I had to finish with like, I had to do an instant report on her. I had to, t- I had to contact my manager and my director and then I had to do stuff for them. It ultimately ended up being like a long night, but I just remember thinking, I was like, man, as I was driving back home at like past midnight and I'm just exhausted. Um, and I'm just like, man, like just like what are the odds like those simple words that i had said like and just playfully like i didn't even put much much meaning behind them it's just like she took those words to heart and i unknowingly kind of like saved someone's life and in a way i was like very grateful but at the same time it's like terrifying because it's such a big reminder on that whole thing's like you know like be careful what you say um my gosh my phone's vibrating um like like, just be careful what you say, right? Because whether it's in a positive or negative way, like words have so much power, right? And so just that idea that like something that I kind of just said in passing in a very playful way that she took that as an opportunity to make a good choice because like she could have harmed herself there. She could have killed herself there. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, those are very grim things, but it's just that could have been possible. And so I was just like, in shock i was like man this truly is a testament to this idea that words have so much power i think it automatically kind of makes me think of the like the opposite connotation well this is like a positive example right but in terms of like negative examples where you know back in the day or it's happening even now but like a big issue is like cyberbullying or like the crap that people say like online Um, like keyboard warriors, you know, like people don't have to deal with the consequences of saying, you know, talking smack to somebody like straight in their face. Because, you know, if you back in the day, like if you talk smack, like you got to you better own up to your words, you're gonna get you're gonna get smacked around like you're gonna beat. Um, But nowadays, you know, like everything's online, people hide behind a screen, like there's no kind of consequence to that. Um, But regardless of that, it's like, yeah, it's just like this idea of like cyberbullying. And this, a lot of these kids are here because of like those similar to those things, like peers or people that are treating them really poorly or even just in their household, like just the language and the verbiage or just people like berating them. And like, you'd be surprised, like there's a reason why depression is something that's like skyrocketing, you know, in the most in, in recent years because of these different expectations and obviously like social media is like kind of setting up a certain standard. But and just people, yeah, just saying really dumb stuff. Like, and like, and you'd be surprised. I don't know. Just, it makes me want to say, or just remind myself and like remind you guys to those that are listening, like words have so much power and like it can be used in such an uplifting way. Like the smallest things can, can, can save someone's life, literally, <laughs> uh, which is an example here. Um, but at the same time, it can just as easily take someone's life. Um, and that's like super, I know it's like super somber, like depressing to think about. Um, but I don't know. I feel like sometimes we can be so careless and I think it's also hard because I think right now the current state of our society or culture is 
much more on the side of like sensitivity, political correctness. And so in general, I feel like that also kind of plays a big role in like the certain language or words that we use or don't use anymore. Um, but just even before or after that, like whatever it might be, whether you're trying to be politically correct or whether you're just like hanging out with your friends, I don't want this to be something like, oh, like now you have to be anxious all the time about every single word that you say. But it's just like you understand like the situation that you're in and the people that you're talking to. Like, obviously, I'm not going to say like, oh, like, you know, police all the words, like every single word that you say, like make sure everything is always politically correct. Like That's not what I'm advocating for. What I'm advocating for is just think before you speak. Um especially in situations where uh, um, situation A, like you're mad or you're frustrated or whatever it is, and you want to talk smack to somebody or, you know, like put some, I don't know, put someone down as such like a kindergarten thing. But like, you know what I mean? Like if you, someone pisses you off in traffic or like a friend does something to you or like even like a stranger, honestly, and you just want to like cuss them out or like say this or say that, just like just bite your tongue. Like, is it really worth saying that? you know, and who knows, or even to like a close friend, like, and you might be laughing, like making fun of them. But of course, like, I think joking and jest, and that's, that's a healthy part of relationship. But I think sometimes people don't, people, sometimes people cross lines. And sometimes, sometimes people don't see that. But it's just like, always just be thoughtful about what you're saying, have a bit of awareness about who that person is, and how they are at the time. Um, But also on the flip side, I don't want this just to be a thing about, oh, like, don't be negative, don't be negative. But like, use it like I, I don't want to make this a burden but also like maybe something that's empowering right like the fact that these words have powers and you know it can be you know as uncle benma says with great power comes great responsibility or as keen peel say a uh, great response to trailer tricks <laughs> um i hope you understand what i'm talking about if not look up um key and peel on youtube and i think what is it like key and peel like terrorist or something um yeah it's it's a pretty funny skit check it out but yeah, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And words are powerful. Um, and you have to be responsible for the words that you put out there to the atmosphere, um, into the world, but also to other people. And so once again, uh, I think it can be, it is a bit of a burden. It is a bit of a responsibility, but at the same time, it's such a gift. It's such an empowering tool um, to uplift people. Like the simplest thing can save someone's life. Like in this case, it can encourage someone, it can inspire someone, it can comfort someone. Um, and I don't know, I I think sometimes it's easy to say, you know, like, I think especially in COVID, but just even if like a working professional, the people that you pass around, whether it's in school or whether it's at work or even like your roommate, it's like, or your family members, he's like, hey, like, how's it going? It's fine. How are you? Like, how many times have we gone through those conversations or how many times have we kind of just gone through the motions, you know? Um, but like, when's the last time you've like intentionally tried to uplift someone, like intentionally tried to just comfort someone? Um, I don't know. So those are just some food for thought. Um, I'm probably going to try to wrap around here. I don't know before I just keep going on a tangent. But yeah, this was just a story that um, a situation or something I experienced in nursing not too long ago. Um, but I just remember like, when I was driving home, I was like, man, like, this is something I really want to share and immortalize because this is something I will not forget, like, ever. Like, such a, like, a whim, on a whim statement, just like, you know, drive by in passing, kind of, hey, like, you know, be safe, like, make me proud. Such a playful and, like, I thought nothing of it afterwards, but I came back and I was, like, just blown <laughs> about what had come into fruition because of those words.
make me proud. That's literally all I had said. She said those were the, that was the most important thing that like, that's what she had gotten from, from that. And so, yeah, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just very glad that she's safe. Um, and I'd come back the next week and I think she had been discharged, but wherever, you know, wherever she is out there, I, I hope and I pray that she continues to um, find value in her life and that she continues to seek help and support and that, you know, that she keeps on fighting uh, to fight the good fight. Um, and for any of you out there that are listening, that struggle with, you know, um, have your own issues with mental health or have, you know, ever dealt with thoughts of self-harm or wanting to, you know, take your own life, just don't do it. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to tell you to make me proud because you're not a child. Um, but I will tell you that your life does have value and that there is more beyond that just overwhelming just that overwhelming just cloud that seems to kind of be all up in your face and just kind of suffocates you at the moment but just I don't know I always want to try to encourage people like especially my kids I'm like just take a deep breath it's so easy to get caught up in those negative emotions and thoughts but just take time to just stop and to think and to look back um, on the things that have happened in your life, of course, granted, there are terrible things, but there's also many blessings. Um, so kind of going back to like, when we use our words, we can use them for good, or we can use them for bad. In the same way, the way that we look at our past experiences, whether we're either painful or joyful, they can, you know, whether joyful or painful, either of those things can be used in both a good and a bad way. Obviously, I am not a well, I am a licensed professional <laughs> as a registered nurse, but I'm, you know, not a licensed professional as a counselor or anything. Um, so this isn't like medical professional advice. Um, but I don't know, just a person to person encouraging anyone listening out there. Like if you're struggling with anything that I've discussed about in this, you know, podcast, um, this would be a great advertisement for better help. I'm sure you've heard that advertised every, anywhere, <laughs> um, but I don't have that sponsorship. But honestly, just like, just talk to someone. You don't always have to talk to a therapist, but just like, just talk to someone, reach out. You can hit me up if you know me, please. Like, don't hesitate to call. Um, when it comes to things like mental health, like I'm always, my door is always open because I've been down that road. Uh, I'm still currently on that road, if I'm being completely honest. And that is also a completely another story maybe for another podcast. Um, but, you know, human to human, like I'm here for you and there's people that love you and care for you as well. Uh, so just don't forget that, you know, remind yourself of those positive things and just just keep chugging. Honestly, like you're doing great. Um, we make mistakes. We're not perfect, but have grace for yourself and have grace for those around you. And on that note, uh, I guess I will wrap up this podcast. If you've made it this far, uh, thank you so much for listening to this all the way through. Uh, I hope you enjoyed and appreciated and maybe got a little bit of insight into my profession and specifically into uh, pediatric or, you know, ped psych or just psychiatry in general. If you have any questions or comments, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And like I said, you know, if you just need to chat about these things, or even if you want to find some resources for yourself, um, because I know that's not an easy thing to do, um, don't hesitate to reach out to me or ask anyone for help. And honestly, I'd be more, I don't know all the resources. I don't have all the answers, but I'd be more than happy to talk, uh, talk to you and to point you to some resources in terms of people that well, people that I know that probably know more and kind of can help you out more. 
um okay but yeah at this point i feel like i'm rambling um but yeah thank you once again have a wonderful day wonderful night whatever you're doing if you're driving or if you're going for a walk whatever it is uh enjoy be happy be healthy be safe and come back next time all right bye